Let us pray. We sing your praises, O God. We gather together in gratitude for the richness of your blessings. We give thanks for the dedication and vision of our regents and administration. We give thanks for the wisdom and curiosity of our faculty. We give thanks for the strength and support of our staff. But today we are especially mindful of the hard work and successes of our students. On this day of celebration and joy, fill us with your love, O God, that we may continue to be signs of your light and life. Amen. Good morning. St. Olaf College dedicates the first Friday of May to recognizing the outstanding academic achievements of our community in a celebration we call Honors Day. Welcome to everyone who has joined us for these festivities, and a particular welcome to all of you joining us via the live stream from all over the world. I would like to extend a particular welcome this morning to the members of the St. Olaf College Board of Regents who are meeting on campus today and who are demonstrating their commitment to fostering academic excellence by attending Honors Day in academic garb. I'd ask them to stand and I invite you to recognize them with a round of applause. I now call upon the Provost and Dean of the College, Marcy Sorter, who will lead us in these proceedings. Provost Sorter. Thank you, David. Honored Regents of the College, President Anderson, faculty members, students, and friends and families, we come together in this place to celebrate the best of what is achieved at St. Olaf College. Today is the day to honor those students who have distinguished themselves academically. The students recognized today represent academic excellence in all four class years and in every discipline. Students, those of you who are honored here today, are here thanks to hard work and innate skill, and also thanks to the work and the help of many others. We will recognize some of those people here today, but each of you knows who are the friends, professors, mentors, and family members who have given you the tools, the helping hand, the emotional support, and sometimes the bracing challenge that resulted in your presence here today. So, just as we honor you, the students, for your academic accomplishments, this is the day when we honor the many people who have helped bring you to this time and place. We honor the donors, alumni, and friends of St. Olaf College. Through their gifts of time, talent, and treasure, they open doors for students and sustain the college in its worthy mission. Not content with celebrating just their own accomplishments, they actively reach out to new generations of students. Will the donors of scholarships and awards who are with us today please stand?
Those who establish scholarships and awards are focused directly on students' success. So we thank them for their vision and their strong support of St. Olaf's students. We also honor the parents and other family members of the students recognized today. Will the parents and family members please stand? Students, long before you came to St. Olaf, your family helped set the path that brought you here. And so we do celebrate their love, guidance, sacrifices, and commitment. And last, will the faculty please stand? in ways that are obvious now and in ways you may not discover for years to come, your professors have been at the foundation of your education. Rather than making you comfortable, they have challenged you to grapple with difficult, sometimes uneasy ideas and issues. They have also shared with you the joy of learning and discovery. And so we recognize the faculty for the part that they have played in your achievement. I will now recognize the students who have earned special honors and special awards. I ask that we hold our applause until I have finished announcing each group. Fulbright Scholars, please stand as I read your names. Sophia G. Kaur, Class of 2014. Sonia L. Smerid, Class of 2014. And Melanie J. Brooks, Class of 2011. Will next year's RAND Scholar, Ingrid M. Paulson, please stand and be recognized? And will the senior members of Phi Beta Kappa please stand? Congratulations. You can see, sit now. Students who are members of honor societies, please rise as I read your name or the name of your honor society and remain standing until all have been named. Anthropology, Lambda Alpha. Biology, Beta Beta Beta. Chemistry, Phi Lambda Upsilon. Classics, Eta Sigma Phi. Economics, Omicron, Delta, Epsilon. English, Sigma, Tau, Delta. French, Pi, Pi, Delta, Phi. History, Phi, Alpha, Theta. Leadership, Blue, Key. Mathematics, Pi, Mu, Epsilon. Music, Pi, Kappa, Delta, Pi, Kappa, Lambda. Neuroscience, Nu Rho Psi. 
Nursing, Sigma Theta Tau. Philosophy, Phi Sigma Tau. Physics, Sigma Pi Sigma. Political Science, Pi Sigma Alpha. Psychology, Psi Chi. Religion, Theta Alpha Kappa. Russian Language and Area Studies, Dobro Slovo. Service, Alpha Phi Omega. Sociology, Alpha Kappa Delta. And Theater, Alpha Psi Omega. those students receiving general honors please rise by class and remain standing until all have been recognized. Class of 2014. Class of 2015. Class of 2016. Class of 2017. And international students who have distinguished themselves. Congratulations. A large number of the students listed in the program are recipients of scholarships and awards provided by designated gifts to the college. The names of those donors are listed at the end of today's program. Will all the students here today who receive named scholarships please rise? We recognize and thank the donors for the part they play in this Honors Day. Thank you. And now it is my distinct honor to introduce our Honors Day speaker, Eric Lund, Professor of Religion. The topic of his lecture is a four-year feast. Professor Lund's scholarship and teaching bring together the practices of the historian with those of the scholar of religion. He specializes in one of the most invigorating and momentous periods in the history of the Christian faith the religious movement begun by Martin Luther. Professor Lund has studied and taught about Luther's heady, liberating, sometimes terrifying message of salvation by faith and grace alone and of a radical spiritual equality. For many years, he has taken students to Rome and Wittenberg to the very places where religious thinkers debated the ideas put forward by Martin Luther and others. Well before the term high-impact practice came to St. Olaf, or to the national debate on higher education, Eric Lund has provided such experiences for his students. He has taught in one of St. Olaf's signature learning communities, the Great Conversation. And in addition to leading his own students in off-campus study, he served as the director of international and off-campus studies. 
Under his good and wise leadership, off-campus study flourished by just about any measure. He maintained St. Olaf as the leader in its class in the number of students sent off campus. He worked to ensure a rich and abundant offering of programs led by St. Olaf faculty members. And he cultivated important partnerships around the world to ensure memorable learning experiences for St. Olaf students. For these, and for many other reasons, please welcome Professor Eric Lund. President Anderson, Dean Sorter, faculty colleagues, students, and friends of the college, I welcome the opportunity to talk to you on this memorable occasion. Congratulations to all the students who are being honored today, and heartfelt thanks to all the donors, parents, and friends who generously support the work of the college in so many ways. I just called this a memorable event, but to be honest, there's a good chance that a year from now, you will remember a few details about it. After I was invited to give this talk, I began to think back about other presentations I'd heard on Honors Day to help me decide on an appropriate theme. I have to admit that initially I could remember only two of the recent speakers and had only a general recollection of what they talked about. That got me thinking more broadly about other things I've forgotten, and I did a quick <laughs> assessment. I did a quick assessment of my memories from various stages of my education. After the passing of some 40 years, I'm not quite sure I remember correctly the name of the professor who taught me American literature in college, and I have only a very vague recollection of the plot of Moby Dick, for example. <laughs> I figure I've listened to more than 3,000 sermons and over 2,000 chapel talks in my lifetime but I remember very few specifics about them. Today, they are but a blur. Is that a sign of an aging brain? Perhaps. But I bet that if you students considered what you remember of your time at St. Olaf, you too will have to admit that you have already forgotten things that you once knew well. Much content only makes its way into our short-term memory, and other things that may be stored in our long-term memory become increasingly difficult to retrieve as time goes by. How well would you do on the final exams you will soon take if you were asked to retake them a year from now, or even a couple months from now? <laughs> An influential early study of memory concluded that in general, students will forget about 40% of what they read in a textbook after only one day, <laughs> and around 80% after a month. This reality troubled me enough that I decided I would make it part of the topic of my talk. Think of all the effort you put into our work and how quickly what we have mastered can fade away. I pose the question then, what do we get out of college if our memories are so transient? We invest a lot in a liberal arts education at a private institution, but what will we take away from four years on the Hill? We know that our memories are often enhanced if we can associate them with a visual image, so I'm going to use a metaphor to convey my suggestions about what we gain from college. I would like to compare college to a four-year feast. Imagine assembled before you a banquet like you've never seen before. You have an opportunity in your four years here to sample an academic assortment that will be very hard to reassemble ever again during the rest of your life. 
and you have the time over four years to savor every dish you taste. The caviar of chemistry, the foie gras of philosophy, the sushi of sociology. Is the image sticking in your memory yet? The main point I want to make is that we don't long remember what we ate at any specific meal, but it continues to nourish us in, in hidden ways. All the nutrients get mixed up when we digest them, and they sustain us even when the memory of the meal is no longer recoverable. So it is, I propose, with a college education. Once I really splurged and took my son Karsten to a famous restaurant in Chicago called Alinea. It has a tasting menu that costs around $200 per person and includes such exotic items as steelhead roe and yuzu sauce, woolly pig with squid, beans served in a pillow of nutmeg air, anjou pear, and smoking cinnamon. <laughs> that was a meal I will always remember. <laughs> but I'm struggling right now to remember what I had for dinner any day of last week. You might parallel this with your studies. You may never forget that fantastic course that made you decide what your major would be, but you're also nourished in numerous ways by other courses that you don't remember as well, such as the ones you mainly took to fulfill some general education requirement. How are we nourished then by the courses we take and the variety of other activities we engage in at a residential college like this? The American Association of Colleges and Universities, which has helped set the standards for liberal education, contends that a good education not only provides students with broad knowledge of the world, it also develops skills and attitudes that help them successfully deal with real-life challenges and makes them effective participants in diverse communities. Knowledge, skills, and attitudes. All the individual ingredients of a college education should cumulatively nurture practical and applicable skills, such as the ability to access information effectively, to organize projects efficiently, to control impulsivity, to communicate well, both orally and in writing. Also, the capacity to think independently, flexibly, and creatively, to integrate information from different sources and evaluate divergent perspectives to envision new possibilities. All the individual ingredients of a good college education should also nurture attitudes, such as a sense of wonder about the world, a concern for the wider social good, a willingness to listen empathetically and to appreciate outlooks different from our own, a readiness to take responsible risks, an openness to question the validity of the assumptions we make in our worldviews. Perhaps more importantly than much of the content we learn, we learn how to learn. And if continuously exercised, these skills and attitudes endure, even though we may forget many factual details. So far, I've stressed skills and attitudes and talked mostly about the knowledge that we forget. I'd like to return to the knowledge part of the triad I've been talking about and address the question of why we remember some things more than others. Sometimes things come back to us that we've forgotten because certain cues help us retrieve memories as in that most famous incident of a memory cue, the episode of the Madeleine that triggers memory of things past for Marcel Proust in his French novel, Swan's Way. All is not lost for good. For example, when I actually watched the videos of some recent Honors Day talks, 
I began to remember others that initially I could not recall. Learning how to create cues that help us recollect knowledge is actually a skill that we can develop. What we remember also correlates to degree to which we are interested in a subject and feel an emotional and personal connection to it. Even more importantly, we remember things if we think carefully while we are learning and use the knowledge in meaningful ways. For example, teaching is the best way to make something sink deep in our memories. Today at St. Olaf, you have many opportunities to make presentations in class and be co-teachers in the courses you take. Likewise, you will remember the language you took for your general education credit only if you keep reviewing it and make use of it in real life situations. Finally, there are certain kinds of learning situations that seem to be particularly memorable. These days, we've come to call these high impact experiences. And these include internships, undergraduate research, civic engagement opportunities, study abroad programs, and participation in learning communities. What these all have in common is the opportunity they give to connect what we learn more multidimensionally to life as we really experience it. In my time at St. Olaf, the high impact experiences I've been most involved in have been study abroad programs. I only have time as I move towards my conclusion to give one illustration of how what we experience on such programs promotes deeper learning and lasting memories. Over the course of 14 years, I taught a mostly biennial interim course in South Africa. Although I could re re recount numerous profound experiences from those programs, I'm picking one particular incident because it also connects in a way to the food metaphor that I'm using. One year, my students and I had the opportunity to visit with the king of the Ndebele people, one of the indigenous tribes in the northeastern region of South Africa. I had dutifully done my homework before the visit and made sure I knew the proper protocol to follow for such a special occasion. When we arrived, the king was nowhere in sight, and we waited a long time, as one often does in South Africa, and that got me an opportunity to chat with the older men who were there to facilitate the meeting with the king. While we talked, a Mercedes pulled up and out stepped a middle-aged man in a white polo shirt, wearing sunglasses and carrying a cell phone. He joined the circle of older men and began casually to talk to them. Wanting to be sure that I, actually, I acted properly when the king came, I asked this newcomer if my understanding was correct that no outsider was supposed to address the king directly. <laughs> it turned out, yes, as you can guess, to my surprise that the dapper man in the polo shirt was the king of the Endabili people. He just grinned when I asked my question and left it at that. He put all customary formality aside and led us around his compound, talking about the traditions of his people and their current circumstances. Then we were treated to lunch, which consisted of not quite ripe mangoes in a peppery sauce, tripe, chicken feet, and maponi worms, black grub-like creatures that are fried before eating. The Maponi worms were actually quite good. <laughs> I had more problems with the chicken feet. That was a memorable experience and a memorable meal. We not only learned a lot of knowledge about the Endabili people that day, we were given an opportunity to see how well we could adapt to a new cultural setting. Our ability to deal with surprises and cope with ambiguities were put to the test. 
One of the students I just taught in an interim in Italy and Germany this past January, Janessa Sanford, nicely summarized the impact that careful reflection within the context of a study abroad program can make. In one of her papers for the course, she wrote, many times a lot of information we read can be lost within a couple of years if it's not constantly being recalled. Both what we learned beforehand in class and the experiences I was a part of in this interim course worked together to create a more complete and clear image. I've been a tourist traveler many times, Janessa wrote. However, when I look back on those experiences, the little information that was presented to me did not enhance my experiences, which caused me to forget the experiences. Even though this is my first time being a study traveler in this interim, I have noticed a big difference because I am retaining what I am experiencing and learning through my writing and our in-class discussions." End quote. This college has invested significantly in recent years in programs that provide high-impact experiences. The feast gets more abundant every year. I suspect most of the students here today have taken advantage of these opportunities, and I hope that they have produced memories that will last forever. In time, this event and this talk may fade from your memory, but they are only small ingredients in the feast you have before you at St. Olaf. I hope you have found plenty of good things to feast on while you are here. I hope that what you have experienced has expanded your palate. I hope that it has whetted your appetite for more, for lifelong learning. The feast is set out before you. Bon appétit. Thank you, Eric. And I contend many of us will remember that speech <laughs> longer than today. Let me conclude by offering my own uh, personal and heartfelt congratulations to all the students receiving honors today on your academic performance. Well done. And my heartfelt thanks to all the donors who made it possible for those students uh, to experience the feast. I invite everyone when this ceremony is over to come to coffee down in the crossroads, which is just inside the main entrance to Buntrock Common. In a moment, I'm going to invite everyone to stand as you're able to sing the college hymn. It has to be sung lustily. <laughs> the words are on the back of the program. I ask you when we're done singing the hymn to please remain standing for the benediction and the uh, recessional of the platform party and the faculty. Thank you. Please rise.
now may God bless you and keep you. May God's grace and love forever sustain you. And may you live always in God's peace. Amen.